This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Dolph, wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Two minutes past the hour of nine o'clock. You're on three triple R. This is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxshaw. I'm Bron Burton. And I'm Dr. Surf. And Nat. you're now. Try that again. I'm Dr. Surf. That's it's better. Easy. He is Dr. Surf. Good you know, morning. I prized myself away from the really good waves today. Oh, so if dear. you want to know what to do, quick, get down there. <laughs> get down there at ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could listen to us you, on the way. On the down. way, you could. Yeah, that'd be a good thing to do. Welcome. Good morning. How are you, people? Well, thanks. How are you, Anne? I'm I'm well, but that's uh, cold, um, which is just the wrong time of the year, really, isn't it? It's just not. You no. shouldn't be allowed be to have colds when it's this hot. Yes. It should not be a thing. But there is, isn't there, bro? There's there is. There is a bit around. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Tim, very much for uh, Vital Bits. Thank you, Andrew, for Soulful Bits. Thank you, Sally, for your um, presence. Oh, yes. And... Wonderful contributions. And we know why the government gave Tim a knighthood when we listen to shows like that. He just, he just, it's, it's, it's better every week. We've got a massive show. I reckon we should get into it. Yeah, absolutely. What do you reckon? Why don't we? So, um, okay, we're kicking Where off. Where do you with, start? We're kicking, well, we're kicking off with a super big one. We God, are. We are. So, uh, yeah, look, um, we all thought that the prospect of Oil drilling in the bite was a thing of the past, but uh, Norwegian the bite company, being the Great Australian, Australian bite, bite, yes, as opposed to the bite out of an apple, right? Yes, just to make clear. <laughs> so Equinor, uh, which is a Norwegian company, have released a draft environment plan or environmental plan. They're planning on uh, drilling 
deep water uh, for oil in the Great Australian Bight and they're <coughs> intending to start it later this year. So potentially one of the great environmental sleepers as far as public awareness goes. So we're going to be speaking shortly with Sean Doherty, who is no stranger to Radio Marinara. No, we've had Sean on a couple of times mm. yes. to do with Patagonia yep. and their environmental things. And uh, so he's now um, very much uh, front and centre and part of a growing group called the Great Australian Bite Alliance, to uh, also known as the Fight for the Bite Alliance, and uh, asking some big questions about is there any reason for this to go ahead and is there any chance of stopping it? So we're going to explore that with Sean shortly. Great. And then Dr Surf. I've got surfing mums as part next part of my women in surfing. This is a fantastic idea. It's childcare and surfing rolled into one. So we're going to discuss what it is, how do you join, um, how do they stop people like me just going surfing and not looking after kids. And, uh, <laughs> so it's a really good news story. And if Is you, that a confession? Is yes. that what you've been doing for these many years? Well, I'm okay now because my kids are 20 and 18. Yeah. But yeah. when they were young, luckily I had a very nice sister who looked after them for me. But it's a difficult time for a dedicated surfer when your kids are young yeah. and you've got to look after them. Mm. And the surf's really good. So we need to mention our special guests who are going to be in to talk about that. We are. Mm. But I've just forgotten their names. <laughs> Tanya and Elle. Oh, Brod, you're the consummate professional. Tanya, Whelan and Elle Lacey are coming in to talk about this whole thing. Sorry. <laughs> Dr. He's, got, he's got surfer's brain. He has. Because he was out to, yesterday. Yeah, it's warm, isn't it? And it was hot. It's been hot weather. It it, and that's affected you, yeah. So I'm I'm addled with a cold, but no, that's affected your brain. Mm, yeah. I've got aircon brain. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be great discussion. I'm really looking forward to it. It is. It's a fantastic thing. And, and we'll be having lots of details about how you can join if you want. Excellent. Then we're going to cross to Sydney and speak with Jemima Robinson. She's Festival Director of the Ocean Film Festival. It actually kicked off on Friday. It's going to be running for the next week, week and a half, um, in various spots around Australia uh, from Perth sort of all the way up to Brisbane uh, and a few sessions in Melbourne and so if you liked hearing what we do every Sunday morning you're going to love uh, what Jemima's going to be talking about. And I- I'm super impressed that anyone's getting up this early in Sydney today to join us on the first Mardi Gras oh, last night. Gras. Like, do you know what I'm surely. assuming she's in Sydney <laughs> <laughs> so she may not be but I, I think she is. I'm just impressed that whole town should be asleep right now <laughs> because yes. they probably got to bed at dawn. <laughs> Speaking of which, did anyone see the dawn today? The sun rising through the smoky haze from mm. those terrible oh. bushfires. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, big um, take care out there. Mm. If you're listening and you're in... I mean, we don't need yep. to tell you that. You already know this. But, um, yeah, we're thinking of you out there and uh, doing it very tough, some what, people. What's the weather installed then, actually, on that context? In that context? You hear the rustling of yeah, the papers. Yeah, I just thought I'd give people context for the rustling. We've heading, got a rabbit in here. <laughs> heading for a top of 36 today. And uh, no, not again. this is going to be the last the of last the, one, the last one. And um, oh, look, it'll be warmish for the next couple of days, but today's the last of the big spiky heat days. Areas of smoke haze over the southeast, sunny morning, cloud later with a slight chance of thundery shower in the afternoon. Oh. Winds northerly, 25 to 40 kilometres an hour. Um, oh. And uh, then shifting cooler, gusty south to southwesterly, 20 to 30 kilometres an hour in the late afternoon. So hang in no. there, folks. It's nearly over. And That's if you want to go for a surf, there's some lovely little waves on the beaches, in other words, around Woolamai or the Mornington Peninsula, but with that wind, sooner's going to be better than later. And I will say, oh, I'm not going to mention any spots, there's some fantastic low tide um, banks on the peninsula. Great. When you say little, 
Well, uh, you, little like, is probably actually it was waist high, occasional shoulder high yesterday, and mm. it's a little bit bigger, so it's probably not that little. Mm. Um, yeah, it's going to be beautiful waves yesterday and well, Friday. Just a quick calm. and Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone's listening and kind of taking yeah, note. Yeah, oh, damn, I was working that day. <laughs> uh, so 27 tomorrow, partly cloudy. Mm. Uh, Thursday, 30, shower or two. Tuesday. And then, sorry, Tuesday, thanks. And then <laughs> dropping down to 20 on Wednesday. Oh, yay. And uh, that, it, 22 uh, Thursday, 25 Friday, 25 Saturday. So, But is it going to rain? Well. Not really. Tuesday, shower or two. Uh, and Wednesday. Oh, but it doesn't look like there might be, it's not going to be that much. I reckon Tuesday's going to be the wet day, according to this. We'll see. Uh, you've done a quick surf report and the tide times, if you're wanting to head out on the waters. Uh, we're heading for a high tide at Point Lonsdale at 9.24. Actually doesn't have the, uh, the the low tide after that. It's generally about six hours, so around 3.30 this afternoon. And that'll be... So get out there soon mm. if you if you want to hit the high tide there. But that would be a hard, hard job, hitting that. Hey, can we... Before we play some music... Uh, can I just wish you all a happy Clean Up Australia Day? Yes. It's, um, it is, in fact, today. And if you want to know more about it, go to the Keep Australia Beautiful website because there's lots of stuff, even in the heat, around the bay in particular, some of the kind of little estuaries tucked away where people are doing things and cleaning. And if you, do, if you can't do that, there's a, a Disabled Services Association Day on at Ocean Grove today. So go down and help. Have you seen the footage that um, Tony Wilson has put on his socials? No. Uh, and so I'll put a link to that on our Facebook page. I meant to do this a couple of weeks ago. But he and his son, Jack, went to an event at Ocean Grove. Oh, great. Had an absolutely fantastic day. Good. And uh, it, it's just joyous, the footage. Of, there's no other way to describe mm. it. Sensational. So, uh, yeah, we'll, be, we'll put that on, um, put a link to that on our Facebook page. Our next day on at Point Leo is Saturday the 16th of March. Okay. Great. Can I get in another quick plug and then a track? Uh, it's Slow Fish Festival. You would have heard various oh, yes. station announcements uh, over the last couple of weeks. But Slow Fish Festival, and thanks, Alison, for alerting us to this, uh, hosted by Slow Fish Australia and Slow Food Melbourne, uh, which is on today from 10 until 5. It's at Spotswood Kingsville RSL, 16 Mary Street in Spotswood. And uh, tickets are between 5 and $25. Best thing to do is to um, go to their webpage and uh, have a look at those, that information. But, yeah, get down to the Slow Fish Festival. It's uh, going to be a wonderful day. And expect not to do just run in and run out. No. I mean, it is about kind of hanging out, thinking about where things come from, having a nice slow meal. Well cooked. That's right. Now, okay, folks, this is not a drill. Just when we all thought the prospect of drilling in a great Australian bite was a thing of the past, Norwegian company Equinor has formally released their draft environmental plan for deep water oil drilling in the great Australian bite. They intend to commence drilling later this year. It's currently with the industry regulator Nopsema and the clock is ticking. Their modelling indicates in the event of a spill, the outcome would be an environmental catastrophe on every level from beaches near Margaret River in Western Australia to Port Macquarie in the east. And with the Great Australian Bite recognised as one of the last great tracts of marine wilderness in the world, it's right that we should all be having our radars pinging. What can be done? Is there any reason to allow it to proceed? And is there any chance of stopping it? Let's find out and welcome back to Triple R from Patagonia and Great Australian Bite Alliance campaign, Sean Doherty. Sean, welcome back to Triple R to Radio Marinara. Morning, guys. How are you doing? Uh, look, we're good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sean. 
thanks, guys. No worries. Now, look, this is pretty serious stuff. It seems to be one of the great environmental sleepers in terms of public awareness of risk. Uh, from what is being proposed, but also the timing of it, it's got a fair way down the track. What's going on? Uh, yeah, well, it's uh, it's basically with the industry regulator now. Um, there's a term in Equinor's lease where they have to drill by the end of this year or they have to renegotiate the lease. So there's a bit of hustle with it, obviously. And um, and we knew that they were going to drop this plan sometime early this year just to make that deadline. And, and sure enough, it, it manifested and, and the wheels are turning. And we've got... Uh, it's with Nopsema and it's open for public comment with those guys till March 20. Yep. So that, that's kind of the deadline we've been working around um, to, to get people interested in this. Now, when you say we, this is part of a big and growing alliance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we is a lot of people uh, and a lot of disparate and different groups. Um, obviously, this started, and it, like you said, it's been a sleeper issue. Um, like, there's been a lot of attention up north with Adani, obviously, and, and things like this. But the bite, and I think this is the nature of, of how these things work. They tend to target areas that are very remote. There's not a big population centre down there. Um, but what there is and what kind of drew me personally to it and, and a lot of surfers to it is that there's a hardcore surf community down that way. Um, and it, it is like the, the un, ultimate underground coast in terms of surf. Um, obviously very beautiful and, and, and there's a lot of a kind of natural, um, the marine ecology is, you know, it's one in a million down there. But it's, it, it kind of just, it's captured people's imagination. It's taken a while and it's got us to this point now. Um, but the last, the last two weeks has been a, a real revelation in terms of, of public interest. And um, it's, it's been really, yeah, it's been uplifting to see people get in behind this. Sean, it's Dr Surf here. I'm just wondering what kind of drilling they're planning and how many wells? Uh, well, it'll probably depend on how they go. Like, I think they only have to... that They, they nominate to drill within the lease. Um, the lease is 2.2 kilometres deep, and I think they're drilling another three kilometres in. Um, it depends on how that first well goes, really, I think. Um, and there's been drilling down in the bite. This is the other thing. There's a lot of history down there with it. Um, and there's been drilling in the area before, back into the 90s. Um, but there's, there's no offshore and uh, no offshore oil and gas industry down there at the moment. That's the thing. It's, it's complete. The bites are wilderness down there, and, that, and that's one of the big aspects of this fight. Is that we want to keep it that way. So, um, yeah. But it's, it, mate, it depends on how they go. Um, they, they tend to, to think that there's, there's something there. And the, and the way we look at it, I suppose, is if they drill drill once and find something, then basically that's it. It's done. It's an oil field. So because you you can't undrill it, and you can't go back. It'll uh, and it'll industrialise the whole place. Obviously, the big question here is risk. And I was reading a comment from Equinor that they were saying they've revised their original plan and are saying it'll take 30 days to install a capping stack in the event of a blowout and revising that to 15 days. I mean, for me, I'm no geoscientist or geoengineer, but taking over two weeks to cap for all intents and purposes an exploded oil well into the open ocean still seems a little bit long to me. What's, what's your response, Sean, and, and that of uh, those in the Alliance? Oh, I think everyone's a little dubious about the whole lot. Um, obviously, there's a, there's a fair bit of smoky science because you're dealing with a, a hypothetical situation. You know, and no one knows exactly what it'd look like, and no one knows what they're going to hit, and no one knows how they're going to handle it, and no no one knows what would happen if it went wrong. Like the, the, these Norwegians are actually they're pretty good, like at what they do. Obviously, you know, they do it a lot. They're a big company. They've done a lot of lot of work up in the North Sea, and they're obviously pretty competent. But you know, it's it's a risk versus reward thing. 
you've, and you've just got to look at, it's only got to happen once, the mistake's only got to happen once, and, and that's it. You're, you're going to lose, like, large tracts of coastline to buy. It's, you, you couldn't go back from there. And you so, talk, you're talking about risk and reward, and I wanted to ask that question. What, what is the reason to let this proceed? So we're talking about a Norwegian company driving this. Is there anything in this at all for Australia and for Australians, apart from, you know, a, a cash injection into federal government coffers? Is, apart from that, what is there in this for Australia? Well, even that's debatable. That's the other thing. Yeah, our track record on, on actually capitalising on our natural resources and, and getting a fair outcome, uh, it's terrible. We're, it's where we basically work on about. You look at other parts of the world. We're kind of on about half the return of other of other countries in terms of their natural resources and and this stuff getting dragged out. Um, we've got a terrible track record of just of cutting concessions to to energy companies. A lot of you know all these companies. Go on Google. Uh, zero tax paid and just insert the name of your favourite multinational oil company and prepare to be amazed. Um, well, we shouldn't laugh. <laughs> you shouldn't? Oh, no. no. That's, that's terrible. It's set up, yeah, our track record of actually getting a fair return for this stuff is really, really bad. And the, the great irony here with this is the, this is Norway, okay? Uh, Equinor are two-thirds state-owned. So they're basically two-thirds owned by the people of Norway. Norway is sitting on a $1.4 trillion sovereign wealth fund, which has been funded largely by oil. So they've nationalised it. It's gone back to the people. The people own it. Where's our sovereign wealth fund? Mm. Where's that? We're, we're down. We're down. What are we down? $350 billion at the moment. And we're, we're sitting on all this stuff. We just don't. We're just hopeless at, at doing it. And our track record's terrible. Mm. Let's look at the public response so far, uh, because this is really potentially what will turn this uh, situation one way or another. I read in The Guardian that 15 southern Australian coastal councils have now voted their concern or opposition to oil drilling in the bite. So 15 councils along the coast. It covers a lot of land, uh, a, lot of, a lot of region. Uh, along with the Wilderness Society, they put out their own press release this week. Uh, Greenpeace, yourselves. Uh, what's the public response been like so far, in your opinion? Has anyone been in favour? of it and obviously the opposition is growing oh obviously there's a huge huge lobby group here in this country around uh around you know the oil industry and um and they've they've just started to to make their presence known obviously a lot of the stuff they do you never see and this is this is the thing you know the people feel like they're up against um some shadowy stuff and they, they just feel like they've got no power in this these decisions get made without them like the last time this very same lease that Equinor want to drill was was actually had a proposal uh, put before Nopsema. That was BP back a few years ago. No one saw it. Mm. Under Freedom of Information Act, it got released, and then all this stuff came out, like BP saying that a, an oil spill down there would actually be a, a boost for local economies because everyone would get jobs out of it. It's just like it, it's a very. It feels very much an us and them kind of deal. We, and this, to Equinor's credit, they've at least made this public. Mm. So we've actually, where we actually get to play a part in this. You, so. talk, you talked about the response from the surfing community, and uh, I understand there's a, a growing list of uh, people who, you know, even me as a non-surfer, recognise world number one um, surfers who are sort of banding together to really voice their concerns on this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's been a really galvanising issue. Um, you know, particularly just in the last couple of weeks. I think the fact that this now has gone live and this proposal is live has created a sense of urgency and, and people have finally kind of woken up to 
to what potentially could happen if this this all went south. Um, and that's inclu- that's gone right up to the top. You know, the response when this broke kind of was a social media thing, and it went nuts. Um, but you've dragged in all these top level surfers. Um, they know what the value of the bite, you know, even from a surfing point of view, from a marine ecology point of view, they just, you know, it's just a wild part of Australia. They want to keep wild. And it's, and in a way, you've had all these disparate, these small disparate groups, you know, down in the bite who, who fought this for years and years. But this is the first probably large scale public group from the East Coast, like globally, that have actually kind of jumped on this. And it's, it's been qu- quite heartening to see. Sean, what can our listeners do? To, to protest about this. I understand that there's a paddle out planned today. Yep, there is. There's paddle outs in a few places around the country uh, today, uh, including one here in Torquay that we're going to disappear down here pretty soon to go and attend. Um, but the main thing you can do, the NOPSEMA process actually does have an avenue for public comment. It's on their site. Um, it's pretty easy to navigate. Um, obviously, the environment report is 1,500 pages of, of pretty dense science. It's really hard to understand for, for the punter, but strongly encourage everyone who has an interest in keeping the bite wild to at least get on there, try and navigate it, spend some time, understand it, and just and just put a few words down. Like, the, well, I think we're on about 15,000, we're nudging 15,000 public submissions in the first, whatever it is, 10 days. So it's really encouraging that people have done this the right way and gone through the system um, and tried to understand it. And I think that's the best thing that people can do right now and that closes on March 20. Yeah, so Sean, it's Anth here. We've just put a link on our um, Facebook page as well. And, and you're right, that NOPSEMA front page. NOPSEMA, by the way, for people, stands for National Offshore Petroleum Safety and Environmental Management Authority. Gosh, that's an acronym, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> on the front, on their front page, they've got a link through that goes directly to the public comment area. It is, the, it is like really clear to go where, but we've stuck a link on our Facebook as well if people want to get through there. Yeah, great, thanks. But that's that's what we're encouraging everyone to do. Is, and it's been part of the process. That's the thing, you know. It's And it's <coughs> encouraging the people. It's easy to protest stuff, but, you know, you, you've got to do it through formal ways and understand the issue and get your head around it and, and respond kind of formally. And and we'll go through the system. And, if you know, if that doesn't work, then we'll, we'll work out what plan B is. There are lots of different ways that you can uh, voice your protest. You mentioned the paddle-outs. Obviously, the, the written responses are going to be uh, powerful. Visual presence as well. I'm just going to quickly go through the eight paddle-outs that I have mentioned here because we know we have listeners in every state around Australia. Uh, we know that through our subscriptions that come through. Um, so Victor Harbour at 10 o'clock in South Australia, Warrnambool at midday today, Torquay at midday, Crescent Head in New South Wales, at 11 o'clock. Turner's Beach, Yamba in New South Wales at 10. Wollongong at 11. Manly at 11. And uh, Port Beach in North Fremantle, 10 o'clock at their time, which is uh, still a fair way. It's about three hours from now. I think three and a half hours. So if you're just waking up in Perth and listening to this, you can definitely... You've got plenty of time to get to that one. (laughs) We'll have to move on, Sean, but I'm really keen to catch up with you maybe next week on this. There's a whole other issue that we haven't even touched, which is the significance to uh, Indigenous peoples along the southern coast, in the Murning uh, group in particular, uh, and they have a couple of um, really uh, wonderful uh, people who've come out and spoken about deep concerns for um, for local uh, Indigenous culture um, of this as well. So we might talk about that more next week. In the meantime, if uh, people want to 
find out more, um, we've put a link to both your group's page and also to Nopsema's page on the Radio Marinara Facebook page. So I think we've covered some bases there. Uh, Sean, thanks so much for speaking with us today and uh, we will catch up with you uh, next week, hopefully. Yeah, no, no worries, guys. Thanks for your support. Thanks, really Sean. It. It's been great speaking with yeah, you. Good luck, guys. There you go. Uh, Sean Doherty there uh, from Fight for the Bite. And I'm very happy to be uh, joined in the studio by two of our surfing mums, and I've got their names now, Tanya and Elle. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, now, um, I bumped into you guys down at the beach, funnily enough, mm-hmm. and you had a little you tent with your logo on it. We mm-hmm. did, the bright yellow one. And, and I thought, what a fantastic idea. And I, and I popped over and had a chat. And I thought, I've got to get these guys into the studio because this is one of the great ideas of the 21st century. Surfing mums, <laughs> what is it? Well, it is um, a group of mums that come together um, and we basically look after each other's children so that we can get back in the water. Um, it was founded back in 2008 um, by Vanessa Thompson and her friend who were just two mums up in Byron Bay who had little kids um, and they wanted to get back in the water and they'd meet on the beach and um, each would take turns going out in the water and minding each other's kids and they just basically felt that they could spread this concept around Australia so they founded Surfing Mums um, and now there's over 40, 40, 40. groups yeah. around yeah. Australia and over 550 members yeah. um, who wow. yeah, all meet and it just means mums come <laughs> can have their babies and get straight back in the water. Now the um, first question I know, Anthony. Oh, I just got to no, know. No, no, <laughs> dads. No. What about dads? Oh, no, no. And dads, dads too. We have and dads. And yeah. grandparents as well. Grandparents, so it's carers. Um, yeah. yeah. No, got, yeah, I wasn't going to ask that, but that's good to know too. To know. No, I was yeah. thinking with 40, like, chapters around the yeah. country. Do you yeah. ever have, like, a national kind of get-together? <laughs> that would be good. We do have um, – every year there's an annual meet. So we've right. got one in November yeah. where – everyone has the option to go yeah i think if everyone went at the same time that would just be, be crazy, crazy. <laughs> that would be a lot of little tents. it would be amazing yeah. Yeah. but um yeah they do organize events like that yeah. which is exciting wow but, no, back to your question though dr surf because yeah i guess there would be people saying oh but i'm actually stay-at-home dad can i do this as yeah. well oh definitely yes yeah. we have and dads it, in it's the not group just too. for surfers either like bodyboarders oh. anyone on their sup like it's yeah welcome for everybody to just come out and get in the water I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Don't mention the knee borders. I've had trouble with them before. Pete, Pete Wilco. I've got great respect for knee borders. Now, um, there so he's been he's been at da- it's, it's, it's th- years of therapy, but he's getting there. He's getting he's getting there. Now, you, there are four groups in Victoria. If any of our listeners want to join, whereabouts are they? Uh, yes, there's one on the Bellarine Peninsula, um, the Morning Peninsula, where we are. Yeah. Um, the surf coast and on Phillip Island. Fantastic. So, so one thing that really intrigued me is how does it work? In other words, yeah. if you roll up with your child and mm-hmm. the surf's just going off mm-hmm. and yeah. you're like me and you get white line fever and you paddle out and stay out there <laughs> all day, <laughs> that wouldn't work very well. Because <laughs> you would have left your child on the beach, won't yeah. right, you, Dr. Well, Sam? that has happened before, but we won't go into that. I just wish you guys were around when my kids were little bit because I think this is a fantastic idea. But again, how does it work? Do you do you team up with with a friend and say, "I'll have half an hour, you have half an hour"? Or? We do. We we have a buddy system, so we meet at the beach at the specified time, and um, we have a partner. So we swap with each other's kids, and then the first mum will go out, have their surf, 
probably no more than an hour, but depending on how long you've been doing it for and how comfortable your kids are, mm. um, and then they come in and then we swap. I'm just wondering how you get them to come in. Do you have like it's a, hard. a, a loud halo <laughs> yeah. number nine? Your time's yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking because it's kind of like an honesty system. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, fine, I should probably go and, in and there. And also, I have no idea of time when I'm in the water. Yeah. I don't wear a watch being a hippie, so it would, it would, it very much would rely on common decency and that sort of stuff that I don't really know too much. About. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning so much about you this morning, Doctor Seth. Well, so, is there actually like other accepted symbols? Is there like you stand there looking, glaring at the person and the wave, we, saying "Get if, in"? Or if uh, someone's child needs them, then we right. do usually hang a towel. So that's sort of like yeah, our right. signal yeah. to come in. So it's like a flag, you know, yeah. you can kind of see. Um, but you always are sort of, you know, you, you look back and check that everything's okay, yeah. and you know, you continue on. So it's usually pretty good. And before we go out into the surf we always make sure that the kids have their lunchbox so lots of food lots of toys um, any requirements that they might need that's extra we let the buddy know yep. so it's yeah it's very well thought out and we have meets outside of surf as well yeah so oh. the kids can get to know each other yeah. like we might go so to a skate like park yeah, or yeah, um, you know when there's that. no surf yep. we'll we'll meet up and the kids can just get to know each other so they feel comfortable staying on the beach so it's kind of like us. my mother's yeah. well you know yeah it's I like wasn't a salty yeah, yeah, play, like yeah, yeah, yeah. play group yeah right yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that is the best part, watching them make these really beautiful little friendships and really strong connections with each other. It's really nice to yeah. see. And yeah. same for us too, isn't and it? And same for the mums. Yeah. Like you just... There's so much support. It's such a lonely world sometimes, mm. being a mum at home, yeah. um, especially if you're a surfer. Or a dad. And a yeah. dad, yeah, mm. when you're okay. on your own. It can, can be long days. And if you're used to having once got out in the surf every now and then just for that time out, yeah. um, it's hard. Yeah, and it. Um, it's been really beneficial. We've had mums come through with postnatal depression mm. and things like that, yeah. that where it's just been, it's made, it's just turned their lives around. Wow. Yeah. Having the friendships that you form with your fellow surfers, uh, it's different to being in a play group where sometimes you only have babies in common. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get to meet other women that have the same interest as you and so you get to go out and play as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kids can play, you can play, everybody's happy. It's I a win-win. salty yeah. play group. Yeah. I yeah. love that way of framing it. <laughs> I thought I might jump in with a question, if that's yeah. okay. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned at the start about how you are keen to... Um, well, you're there for um, new parents who want to get back in the water as soon as possible. Mm, yeah. What's the youngest sort of baby that you've had on the oh, beach like what's it, the, it varies like we've curious. had i think there's been like you know a few Gosh. weeks old yeah, even like, weeks. <laughs> obviously not to leave them but um yeah definitely to come down and it just all depends on your comfortability and how the kids are going i think but yeah. from any age yeah from weeks or months old to right up until like teenagers or and you need to be an experienced surfer <laughs> No, yeah. Do you need to be an experienced surfer, or if, you know, like if you've maybe you know gone out a couple of times, or even you know, is there any kind of limitation to this? There's none whatsoever. I think it just comes down to passion. Like if you love being out in the water, whether it's yeah, it's supping or bodyboarding or surfing, just come down and get out there. It's yeah. it's more of a support group to help you get back out in the water. Yeah, and yeah. it's all different levels. Some yeah. of the mums haven't surfed for a few years and you put on a bit of weight and you feel heavy and you've you've lost the the 
muscles so just that first paddle out can be yeah. <laughs> a struggle but yeah. once you're out there just having that half an hour in the water floating around you yeah. regain your sanity and um, <laughs> <laughs> you can go back in but it's nice having that support network of all different levels of surfers yeah. who help you through so you have do you meet once a week is that right we try to meet once at least or twice once during a week, yeah. during the week or weekends mostly during usually the week, during the week we can. yeah it's quieter. <laughs> and and if, if any of our listeners want to join, how would they contact you? Um, jump onto the website and then you can actually find the group that's closest to you on there and then it will link you to a Facebook group. You can go in there and request to join. It's very easy. And also if there's not one in your particular area, you can create one. Very easy to contact Surfing Mums and actually learn how to create one in your area for everybody to come. And there's come a small, small charge, is that right? Can you explain what, what mm-hmm. that's for? Yeah. So $52 a year. Um, it covers you $20 goes towards your insurance, $20 towards the membership wow. pack, and then $5 towards surfing aid. So, the yeah, the insurance is really it's good it's important mm. it insures you up to 20 million doesn't it for yeah third party damage that third is party a great liability. thing yeah <laughs> it's basically a dollar a week yeah um, it's for not a much. play group and you get and there's obviously lots of um benefits from that too we've got lots of sponsors and partners you get lots yeah. of discounts on wetsuits and boards and accessories this is yeah. the most organized so, play group in the world yeah. it's fantastic it's got yeah. liability insurance yeah and, yeah and you mentioned um a membership pack what's in the membership pack uh, so we get a $20 voucher from the apparel. Uh, last year we got a really good, it was like a wet bag. A wet um, bag. bag. Yeah. year before it so was a hat a gift or something well. different yeah. Um, yeah. every year. And I've got to say, oh, I had a quick look at your website. Your merch is fantastic. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, awesome. It's so <laughs> yeah. The logo is sensational. Yeah. It's like this yeah. kind of silhouetted sunset of a parent and a small child and yeah. a surfboard and it just looks great. Yeah, very endless summer. We've put the we've put the details up. Yes, it is endless. <laughs> actually, it is, isn't it? Um, we've put the details up on our Facebook, he says, pointing at a random screen. Um, surfingmums.com, great website, easy to find. So get on there and then you can find your local one or you can Mm -hmm. start one you can start one yeah brilliant yeah fantastic look thanks so much for coming in early on a sunday tanya and l thank you for having us and hopefully i'll see you in the water and i promise i won't drop in (laughs) 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 i'll try Oh my god. <laughs> Smooth. Right. Yes. It's coming up to 10 to 10. And uh, look, if you like hearing about all things wet and salty every Sunday, as we do, uh, we like talking about them and hearing about them. You're going to love this. Two days ago, the Ocean Film Festival Australia kicked off its 2019 season of carefully curated, captivating ocean themed films, screening in 29 towns and cities across Australia, promising to mesmerise and enthrall with more than two hours of sublime footage taken above and below the water's surface. The films of the Ocean Film Festival document the beauty and power of the ocean and they celebrate the divers, surfers, swimmers and oceanographers and actually painters for this year as well who live for all things wet and salty to tell us all about it and let us know when it's screening near you. Wherever you are, we're delighted to welcome back to Radio Marinara Ocean Film Film Festival Director Jemima Robinson. Welcome back, Jemima. Oh, well, thanks for having me back. It's so good to have you back. We uh, The last time we caught up was this time last year and um, you were in Sydney at the time and uh, I, I thought you might be, but you're actually a little bit further north. 
<laughs> yeah, we, we like to get around. So I'm in Townsville at the moment. We did a screening in air last night, so we kicked off the tour this Wednesday, and so now it's just like we're all over the place. So, yeah, who knows? Every, every day is a different city, which is lovely. Yes. Now, look, last year's festival was an absolute smash. It's uh, I loved it. I just sat there and was just mesmerised, um, as your comms rightly point out. And it's getting bigger and better every year. Can you talk us through, I guess, the origins of the festival for listeners who maybe um, didn't catch our chat with you last year and uh, and also about how you go about selecting the films that make the cut. Yeah, for sure. So look, my history is I'm an avid ocean lover. I grew up on the Great Barrier Reef and spent, you know, all, all my time out there and I just, I just love the ocean and I, you know, I love film as well and what I was finding was I was watching a lot of short films about the ocean that are just so beautiful and so stunning but we never get to see them on the big screen and I just felt that that was such a missed opportunity and I love these films and I felt sure that, you know, other people would like them as well. So uh, we just kind of took punt and put together, you know, there's a bunch of like my favourite films for that year and, you know, shared them with people and I think it really um, hit a nerve with with lots of different people because no matter where you are in Australia, you know, you come not too far from the ocean and while the way you kind of interact with the ocean is different, like that common theme and the love and the feeling that that ocean gives you, I think that kind of brings, is a unifier, brings everyone together. So, you know, that's kind of how the festival started. We started out small and we put the call out for films and initially we found that there were a lot of great films, but there wasn't that many from Australia, which was, you know, really surprising and also really disappointing because we've been in such a beautiful country. Um, and I think in the last five years since we've been touring, I think that has been the biggest change is that, you know, now we get so many more films from Australia and from Australian waters and close to this area. And, yeah, that that's kind of what I love sharing about it. So. Yeah, that's where we are now. We're, we're growing, you know, we go to all these different places and we have so many different films to choose from. Yeah, which is super exciting. Now you put out a call for entries uh, late last year, as you always do. Um, what yep. was the response like? Have you found that it's just sort of got bigger and bigger every year? And because I was having a look through some of the trailers last night that you have on your yep. on your uh, webpage, uh, the quality and the diversity just seems to be growing every year. Yeah, and you know, I'm sad that is 100% the hardest part of the job is deciding what not to show. Like, that's the part I hate the most about my job. You know, it's just like sometimes it is that making that decision of what's going to make the cut, that's really grueling. Because this year we got about 300 entries and we narrowed it down to the nine films that we're showing. Wow. So, yeah, it's really brutal. <laughs> it's so hard. But what, we, what I do love about it also is that you know, we can go in with an idea of that, oh, well, you know, we kind of we want a surfing film, we want a diving film, we want to show this, but we actually don't get to decide that. What you get to decide that is the filmmakers and the ocean lovers and what people are doing. So although, you know, we've got an idea of what we want, it really depends on what films get made and what the filmmakers are entering into it, and that really decides the program every year. And the great thing about that is that it's a true reflection of how people are interacting with the ocean, and I think it's also... Um, you know, changes every year. You know, you never know what you're going to get, which is what I really love about it as well. And, and so I, I'm just struck to moment by this, how on earth you filter from 300 to 9. <laughs> and, like, have you thought... I mean, there's two questions in this. One is just, like, how do you do that? And then the <laughs> second one is, like, you know, maybe do you just have a second festival for, you know, like you know, that's kind of the ones that weren't in the main festival, like the Fringe or something? Well, it's funny you 
should mention that. Um, yeah, so okay, so from 300, you're going to get a bunch in there that you you watch straight up and you're like... Oh, yeah, got to be. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like, and there's some that are just like, oh, my God, this is just absolute magic. So that one, yeah, one the, the, the no one, that would be the one that I send in that I've done on my GoPro when I just went for a snorkel. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get that one. Yeah, there's but... a few of those. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you that. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, and then I guess there's, there's some that, you know, might kind of talk about the same topic or cover the same theme or the same mm. area, and then you're kind of deciding between the two. And so what we want to create is, a journey, you know, that people come in at the start of the night and by the end of the night they're just taken on this journey all around the globe and into different ways people interact with the ocean, like highs and lows and just kind of different stories. So we, it's not about one film in isolation. It's always like a massive jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Um, but on, on the note of the... Film, the spillover, we, yeah. It, we, we did find that, you know, because so many people who love the ocean are really inspired to protect it, that we would get a really high proportion of ocean conservation films. And um, we only have a certain, you know, a, a amount of time in our program to show conservation films. So we felt like there was a lot of good conservation films that weren't getting seen by people that we felt was really important for people to see. And so what we're doing this year for the first time ever is we're launching a new program and it's called Turn the Tide. And it is a collection of all of the best of those environmental films, but the ones that give you hope Mm -hmm. as well. It's not like, oh, my God, doom and gloom, and here's a big problem, and, you know, go deal with that. We've chosen the ones that are like, here's here's a problem, here's what these amazing people are doing about it, here's what you can do about it. Like, you know, you should be aware of these things. And so we're putting that together so local conservation bodies can host those screenings and have, you know, community meetings or they can run it as a fundraiser or, um, you know, they can just share their love of the ocean or inspire people to get involved in protecting the ocean. So that one's, that one's coming soon, but you did. Awesome. You know, it, it really stemmed from that problem of... Having too much. Too many good films and it just feels wrong not showing them, but like it doesn't fit with what we're doing here, but, you know, we still think it's important for people to see these films. Jemima, I just wanted to quickly go through the lineup that you have. You mentioned there are nine films that are screening at this year's Ocean Film Festival and it's the same nine at every yep. screening. Um, yep. Just wanted to go through a few of them, uh, particularly some of the trailers that you've got uh, listed on your website. Um, the trailer itself to the film festival is incredible, but a few that really stood out for me, um, uh, Emotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us a little bit about, about that one? Uh, it is so, so stunning, that film. Um, so it's actually, and the beautiful thing about that, it's made by an Australian filmmaker, and he is actually a really well-renowned film and adventure photographer. So that guy, like he, he is Australian, but he's all over the place. But he started out trying to make a film about, um, you know, the big waves, the big waves that people ride. You know, so you go to Mavericks and you go to Pipeline and um, you go to Tahiti. But what he, what the film morphed into is not just about the waves and the surface, but about that connection that people have with the waves and the surface. So what we end up with in emotion is this beautiful stunning film and some all around the globe and these amazing um, surfers and surf photographers who interact with them and just telling their stories which is really beautiful as well and it's just such a um, a visually amazing but it just really you know like it really connects with people because um, yeah you're watching these guys and just the way people interact with the ocean is quite different and the lovely thing is you go to two secret spots in Australia as well so you head to the northwest 
of Western Australia and also to the very southwest of South Australia as well, which is stunning parts of our own country that so few people will get to see. So oh, my God, Bron, sorry, Jamal, I've just realised we've got about a minute left. Yeah, there's a few <laughs> others that I wanted to quickly get in there. There's a piece yes, within so. which just blew my mind. It's yes, about right. an underwater uh, painter in uh, in Mexico painting um, just a, it looks <coughs> like um, a saltwater environment, which is incredible under the Borneo rain. Oh, no. No, he paints in all sorts of different extreme environments, yeah. but but this particular part of the short was in Mexico. There's Manry at Sea uh, in the Wake of a Dream, which is actually a, a documentary set in 1965 uh, about a, a seemingly typical middle-aged uh, suburbanite in Cleveland, Ohio, who decides to set sail on one of the smallest vessels I've ever seen around the world. Um, look, there's just so much to cover, and we've got about 35 seconds left of the show. The best thing that I can do at this point is just to point you in the direction of your website, which is Ocean Film Festival we've already put a link to that on our Facebook page. Yeah, we have indeed. Um, the screenings uh, in Victoria kick off Friday the 22nd of March in Geelong. Um, there's uh, two screenings at Crown, two screenings at the Astor. Uh, there's one in Rosebud and one in Warrnambool. So just follow those links and you'll be able to find out a screening near you. Thanks so much, Jemima, for joining us. Thanks it's been God. great catching up with you again. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.